call the Holy Ghost audible. So if you watch football and audible, the quarterback can just like, he sees what's happening and he's got to change the play in real time. Even though the coach gave him another, you know, direction, he's got to make a different direction in the middle of the play. And we were going to wrap up Galatians quicker, but you know what? I, I, I realized that there is no way... There is no way that we can skip over this last section in chapter 5 about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. That we got to sit here and we got to talk about this. Last week, our brother Brian McDonald preached this chapter, but I want to slow down and I want us to do the scenic route through this second half of chapter 5 in Galatians. Amen? Just this week... Chrissy was having, having an argument with our oldest. And it's not, the, it's not the kind of argument that you might expect. My son was very upset that he didn't have a chance to do his chores the night before. And my wife has to reassure him, like, it's okay. Things happened. We had a busy, long night. You know, we had people over. It's fine. <laughs> you can do it today. And, and, and that's my son. That's my son, right? He, he wants to follow the rules. He gets upset when he can't follow the rules. And then I got another son who was in the back of a cop car at age seven. That's a story for another day. <laughs> but every one of us, Every single one of us kind of has a bent, don't we? And we kind of like bent a certain way. It seems like from birth. <laughs> and we're bent towards being sort of religious or being sort of rebellious. And I, can, I bet if you can think about your family, you've seen the same thing. It just seems like some people just kind of come out and they have their personality and they're sort of wired to be rule followers or rule breakers. I, I'll let you imagine, I don't think it would be difficult if you know us well, which one between me and my wife is the rule follower and which one is the rule breaker. And, and God wants us to use both. We've been learning in Galatians that there's actually a dark side to just being a rule follower. We miss love. Like sometimes you got to break the rules to love. And, and there's a dark side to rebellion where rebellion promises freedom, but it actually offers slavery. And we think that we're getting to do what we want to do, but actually we ain't doing what we want to do. We, we, we get stuck in this cycle. We are in a cage. And what I'm saying is that both rebellion and religion can be like a cave, a cage. It's like a cage. And we don't have a key to get out. One of my... Uh, Mentors, he's preached here once or twice. Pastor Steve, he led me to Jesus when I was 16. And he would always say that we're like people who were prisoners and we had handcuffs on. Jesus gives us the key. We take the handcuffs off. But because we, but because we were so used to being locked up, 
We take those handcuffs, we put them back on us, and we tape them with scotch tape. <laughs> and we walk around cuffed up. Like, we walk around like, oh, I can't do that. I don't have the power to make the right decision. I'm just a slave. And the reality is, is all we have to do is the most minimal effort to pull our hands apart, and we would be free. And if you are a Christian, that's you. That is you. That you may feel trapped. You may feel like you're in a cage. But the cage is unlocked. And all you got to do is push on the door. And you have been unlocked from the handcuffs. And all you got to do is stretch out your hands. And you will be free. Because Jesus has set us free. So Brother Brian talked last week about those religious handcuffs. And he, he, he quoted Paul where Paul says, It's for freedom that Christ set you free. But some of you are losing your minds, and some of you are trying to get circumcised. You're trying to follow all these religious rules and follow all these days, these holy days, and all this and that. And I want to tell you tonight that in some circles, this whole Judaizing thing is actually making a comeback. I often see things about how it's going to be, it's going to be amazing because God's going to bring back the, uh, the five feasts from the Old Testament. And we, we, we need to follow the law. And if you really want to be blessed, you're going to start following the law. And what I want to tell you along with Paul is that when you read the Old Testament, you're supposed to see a bunch of stuff that makes you long for Jesus. You're supposed to see 600 plus rules that you could never follow and know that I need his grace. You're supposed to see all these festivals, all these, you're supposed to see the beauty of God's story of his redemption, how he saves us. But we're insane when we look at it and we're like, you know what would be really great? It'd be really great if we just like did all this stuff. <laughs> it would be so great if like we stopped eating pork and we wore two different threads. We, you know, we only wore one thread and you know what I mean? We didn't do any work on Saturday and all that. Paul called this a false gospel. A false gospel of self-effort acting like we can get blessing or save ourselves if we work hard enough. And this false gospel nearly tore apart the early church. In verses 13 and 15, which we didn't read, but we see that the church, this church is in a war. There's striving, there's devouring one another, there's fighting. And I, I shared this before. Why is there so much conflict in the Galatian church? This is why you have people who came out of Greek culture and you have people who come out of Jewish culture and now they both believe in Jesus and they're meeting together and they're supposed to be one family. But that's really hard to be one family when you've got people coming from such radically different backgrounds. You have Greeks who... Back in the day, before they met Jesus, the way they would worship is they'd go to the prostitute. 
I mean, they would go to the temple and they'd sleep with prostitutes there. And they would get high on drugs. That was the Greek culture. And then you have the Jewish culture where there was a rule for everything to keep you pure, to, to make sure you were not like the nations. And what does this have to do with us? Because you're thinking, man, Pastor Joe, none of us here are trying to get circumcised. None of us here are trying to follow all the law of the Old Testament. So why are you getting all worked up about this? Why are we studying this book? It's like 2,000 years old. It has everything to do with us. It's super practical for us. Because we also can be tempted to devour one another. We can be tempted to fight and get bitter. You know why? Because the church now, and the church five years from now, if it's a church that's really on mission in Gloucester City, is going to be a room full of people. And some of those people are still going to be smelling like weed. And some of the other people are the type of people who never had a parking ticket in their whole life. And God calls them all to be one. He, he, he's saying that the, 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 the one who never got a parking ticket in their whole life, that that is not salvation. That you're not better than nobody. That the only way that you come to God is through Jesus. And the one who's still smelling like weed, you need to come to Jesus. You know, you can be pulled down to hell by both rebellion and religion. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm trying to make it as plain as possible. You can be pulled down to hell by both rebellion and religion, but Christ has set us free to love and especially to love one another. There's this t-shirt I saw, set of t-shirts that were for sale, and it perfectly describes the, the, the three oldest kids that we have. And the first one says, I'm the oldest, I make the rules. Some of you have probably seen this. And the second one says, I'm the second, I'm the reason there are rules. And the third one says, I'm the third, what are rules? <laughs> you know, not only do we have a bent, not only do we have um, just like a way that we sort of go, but we also go through times where we swing from being really rebellious to being really religious and back and forth. And it's a, that's another kind of trap. And if you've ever caught yourself saying, you know what, I really, really promise to do better. That's a statement that you make in your flesh. You saying, I promise I'm going to do better next time is a statement in the flesh. And the flesh is just a Bible word. It just means you without God, who you are without God in your life. And it's always looking after itself. Even if you say, you know, I don't love myself. I don't think much of myself. The fact is, is that you're still extremely concerned with how you think about you. And Christian freedom is that you are not the hero of your own story. And you don't need to be the hero of your own story. 
You're not the, the knight in shining armor that's going to save yourself through positive thinking. So you can repeat it to yourself over and over and over again, but you'll never find freedom in just telling yourself, well, I'm all right. Because you know in your soul you ain't right. And you need saving. And when someone else saves you, when the Jesus saves you, and when his spirit comes in you, you are free. You're truly free. You're not, you don't have to fake the funk. You don't have to pretend to be someone you're not. You don't have to always be repeating things over and over again and trying to impress other people and convince yourself of stuff that you know is not right. You're free to say, I am a mess. <laughs> but God loves me. He's working on me. I'm growing. That's Christian freedom. See, when we force things in our flesh, we're not in the spirit and we're not in love. And what I need you to hear tonight is that religion won't save you and rebellion won't free you, but a life-changing relationship with God will. So we see in verse 16, it says, walk in the spirit. And like, oh, you're finally in the verses we're actually, you're preaching on. <laughs> oh, says walk in the spirit. God means to hold your hand through life. I, I remember sitting on a panel with this pastor in Scotland and they have this ministry in the projects there. They call them the schemes. And the difference between the projects there and here is that a lot of times these poor communities, like, they go back, their families go back, like, hundreds of years. So it's not, like, transitory, like, a lot of times it is here. It's kind of like the Indian reservation, right, where there's, like, poverty, and also there's, like, people who have been there, and it's their extended family, and they've been there forever. In other words, it's kind of like Gloucester City <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of addiction and, and a lot of mental health issues, and in some ways I could relate because I've had to bury so many young people, right, um, stemming out of those, those, those sicknesses of addiction and, and mental illness. And, and they would talk about members, you know, people come into the church out of trauma, out of difficult circumstances. And I remember what he said. He said, um, I'll never forget it because they were asking him how they can walk alongside folks who have so much trauma in their life. And he said, when people come to the church and they join, we always tell them, we will hold your hand until you go to heaven. Like we don't know if God's gonna heal you, but we do know this, we will be here with you We'll love you, and we'll walk with you. Well, God walks with us, and we are called to walk in his spirit. If you came to church just trying to be released from your problems, you do not understand the reality of God. He's so much better than you just being whole. See, if you are still in your flesh, you're still in your flesh if you want God to make you whole and to fix you and to just give you that job and to take away your sickness and to do this and that, but you have no desire at all to be holy. I 
I said before, you know you're in the flesh when you have this statement in you that says, I promise I'll do better. Here's another way you know you're in the flesh and not the spirit. If you are like, God, just take away X, Y, Z. And there's zero in you like, I want to please you. I want to be holy. I want to be like you. This is not a matter of trying harder, but it starts with this. Do you want to live by the Spirit at all? Do you want to change your life? I was at a black party. We had a huge black party. We had hundreds of people out here. It was awesome. And, and I remember I was talking to folks, and I remember saying this to a crowd of people, many folks who hadn't been inside a church in years, and I was joking with them and saying, listen, you say, I don't want to go in that church because the church will fall down if I walk into it. I say to you, you know, maybe that's not really the reason. The reason is, and you know this, is that you know if you come into the church, maybe God gets you. <laughs> And maybe you're afraid of changing. You're afraid of all the changes that are going to have to come and all the stuff that you're probably going to have to give up to follow him. Being filled with the Spirit is the answer. Walking in the Spirit is the answer. Walking in the flesh is going to get us nowhere. It's interesting, being filled with the Spirit through the Bible is often compared with drinking. And I know that like none of you know about this because you're so, you know, such good people. But I will tell you as someone who has had a few drinks, what it look, what 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 the Bible is talking about. So when Pentecost happened, what happened? Um, people who were observing these people preaching, they were like these guys are drunk. And what you need to understand is in the first century, there's no Xbox, there's no electricity, there's no watching the Eagles win ever, there's no TV, right? And there is nothing but sickness and hard work and life is rough. So when you have people at 9 o'clock gathered in a public spot with crazy grins on their faces, with just a shine from their faces as they preach something and speak something out in joy, it, the, the, natural, the natural thing to think is they must be on something. <laughs> and alcohol and other things, they can lead to an incomplete joy. They can lead to an incomplete freedom. They can lead to an incomplete power. And I'm not going to say counterfeit just because like a preacher likes to be provocative and you know what I mean? Like there are times in the scripture where, you know, Timothy Paul tells Timothy like, you need to add some wine with your dinner because your stomach's messed up. You know what I mean? There's times throughout the scriptures where, I mean, Jesus' first miracle, I just spoke about this yesterday at a wedding. His first miracle was to turn water into wine. And one of the things that people didn't like about Jesus was that he was constantly eating with sinners and drinking wine with people that had bad reputations. But it is an incomplete joy. 
And when you try to grab a hold of it, it wrecks you. And the Bible is full of warnings about how alcohol and all kinds of good things in life can wreck you when you try to just make your life revolve around it. And what, what, getting back to the Spirit, this is so good. The Spirit, this is what Paul says in, to the Ephesian church. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a sense of joy and a sense of power and a sense of confidence and a sense of just freedom that you have when you're full of the Spirit. And it's an amazing thing. He says, be filled and continue to be filled. And it's like, how can you continue to be filled? You might have been full of the fullness of God. And yet, you know what? You can be full even more. What is, how is that possible? It's like, it's like a balloon. You can fill a balloon with air. But guess what? You can fill a balloon with more air. And your soul has the capacity to be filled with more of God than you can imagine. And some of you, it's like, I remember the time when I was in the Word. I remember the time when I was serving God. I remember the time when I was at church. I remember the time when I just felt like joy just rocked me. You know? I was drunk with joy, with freedom, with power in the best possible way, and there's no hangover. Because <laughs> I was full of God's Spirit in me, and it was freeing. Walking in the Spirit is like my wife getting iron. If you've been following along, my wife's anemic, and um, she doesn't have enough iron in her blood. And when she gets to the doctor, and, you know, they, they put the needle in, and they start to put the iron that her body needs to function, she moves from being a weak, anemic person lack of focus, tired all the time, to a fully functioning person. Now, she does absolutely nothing to be filled with iron. She sits there, and she receives it. And you do nothing to earn being full of the Spirit. You sit there, and you receive it. But I want to tell you something. It ain't easy for her to get that iron. Just because she doesn't earn it, just because once she gets there to the doctor and you fill her up and she's full up, right? There's this little thing called insurance. <laughs> and there are these things called doctors. And then there's these things in her life called kids that have needs, who get sick and have problems at school. And life is full of problems and distractions. And what I'm saying is, your life is full of problems and distractions. You need to walk in the Spirit to walk in victory, but you can get distracted by so many things. And God wants you to come to His office, sit down, get the iron in your blood, fill you with His Spirit, and yet you are busy doing a bunch of other things that you feel like you got to do. And what I'm saying is, you need to get with God, or you're never going to make progress. You need to walk in step with the Spirit. You need to be full of the Spirit. When you have that Spirit, life pumping through your blood, 
There is nothing like walking in the Spirit with real joy, with real freedom, with real power. Power to break addiction. Power to break you from the shackles of worry. Power to break you from pornography. Power to break you from flipping out, cursing out, throwing hands, all that stuff. Power to break you from that sense of condemnation, that sense of guilt, that sense of dread and fear. And to walk between that, that, that strong temptation to just follow the rules and that strong temptation to just break the rules and to walk straight down the middle in the Spirit, walking in love. And we see, as we continue on, Paul breaks down the works of the flesh. And this is important for us to take some time and look at it. And you basically have this list of sins and you can kind of group them up. Oh, thanks. You can group them up into three categories. And one of the first categories that jumps out on us when we look at the text is all these sexual sins, right? There's a whole bunch of them. Um, the Greek word for fornication, right? It's just pornea, where we get the idea. You know where that goes. Um, then there's this idea of sensuality. Um, also, like, what is that? Well, that's, that's a lack of restraint. That's a lack of decency. And so you have these sexual sins. You have these spiritual sins. I was just in the bar talking to somebody not that long ago and they were they were breaking it down for me they said i i believe in energy i believe in angels and demons and ghosts but i i don't i don't know about god and i'll tell you what if that sounds strange to you that is very common increasingly more and more common and it's not just common like now. When you look back in history, you know, I, I, I told you we, we served, if you, if you remember, we served in uh, East Africa for five years. And when you go to other parts of the world, a lot of the, the religion, the traditional religion, had this sense of there are these ancestors, there are these spirits, there are these powers. God is, in our stories, God is there, but we're really distant from him. And that goes back to just the way we are all wired. And this is not just in Africa. You can see the same thing in North and South America. You can see it in Asia. We all have this sense of if there's a God, he's really distant. And I'm not too sure about him. But what I do know about is that there are these more immediate spirits that I got to deal with. That's what Paul's talking about. You're like, when you read this and you're like, you read Paul lists the sin of sorcery and you roll your eyes like you've never met anyone that's ever done it. You, you meet, you, you, you've been that person probably and you meet that all the time. That is looking towards all these other powers more than God. You know? Got like Jesus. That's a little stale for me. Let's talk about my sign. I'm a Pisces. You know what I mean? Like, no. There are sexual sins. There are spiritual sins. 
It also talks about idolatry. And you may not literally have a room in your house where you light a candle and you bow down to an image, but I guarantee you that you make your life revolve around things other than God, and that is idolatry. And, and for some, that's their job, and for some, that's their family, and, and for others, it's a hobby. I just recently got a Harley, and so all these people are trying to like plug me into all these groups of all these people who ride Harleys, and yeah, there's a lot of like, I am now gonna make how I do friendship and how I do all my life relate, related around this identity that I ride a motorcycle, right? <laughs> and it, it's, it's amazing. We are quick to worship idols. John Calvin said that our heart is an idol-making factory, <laughs> that we're just constantly looking for things to get our identity and to get our happiness. And finally, there's these social sins, you know? And you've got hatred, and you've got this idea of partisan, this idea of division. Now, like sometimes people say, you know, we shouldn't preach politically. And I would say we shouldn't preach partisan. <laughs> We shouldn't preach a party spirit where we other people and we say, you know what, people who think different from us, they're like not even human <laughs> or they're just wrong and we're right and, and stoke the fire of that party spirit, right? But we have to speak to political stuff because every single thing in life is political. Like it would be nice if we could just separate all that stuff, but we live in a world where we need to eat, where we need to have health care, where, you know, based on the color of our skin, we might experience a totally different type of life than others, right? We live in a world that's political, whether we want to imagine we don't or we do. But what Paul's talking here is there are these divisions that come because you got people identifying with their Jewish culture more than... Christ and Greeks identifying with their Greek culture more than Christ. And um, we see all this fighting, right? Guys, we see fighting. I, a couple weeks ago, there was a ton of fighting happening um, involving some of our youth. And it was just really discouraging to me. You got like all these 15 year olds with like, it's like they're acting like it's a game. You know, getting in these fist fights all the time and acting like they got no future, think it's hilarious that the cops get involved, think it's hilarious that they get suspended. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, there's no future in that. It's ridiculous. It's not what God has called us to. And yet at the same time, we see it all around us. Now, if you were to go and read all these sins, all the works of the flesh, what does it sound like? I would suggest to you, go and read it. And it sounds a whole lot like Gloucester City. And there's a reason that several months ago, we learned to pray the Lord's Prayer in a special way. And we said, in Gloucester, as it is in heaven. Because that is what it looks like for God's kingdom to come. 
Like if you thought we were coming here to just be told that we were doing a good job already and to have no challenge at all and to just walk away happy, like this ain't the place for you. We want to grow. We want to become more like Christ. He doesn't shame us. He knows exactly where we are. He's celebrating when we go from one mile an hour to two miles an hour. But at the same time, he wants you to grow and grow up and become complete in him. So this is fundamental. I I shared my own story of going from being a pagan idiot to a religious idiot in like six months when I got saved and I started coming down on my family about all the things, the ways they were wrong and I was wrong in doing that. The fruit here of the spirit is, you know, first of all, it's one thing, it's fruit, it's singular right? Even though there are these nine things, nine facets of this one fruit, and it all starts with love, and then love is described in all these ways, how it breaks out in joy and kindness and gentleness, and it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. But the works of the flesh are those actions in your life, and you're wondering, why is it works of the flesh and fruit of the Spirit? Well, works Works, come on, we're doing some work here, I know. But you got to get this. This is really important. Works versus fruit. doesn't say the works of the flesh and the works of the spirit. And there's a reason for that. See, the, the works of the flesh produce this kind of fruit. Not self-control, but obsession. Not joy, but depression. Not faithfulness, but constantly quick quitting not love but lust not peace but anxiety not the result of working and earning and deserving but it's a result of God stooping down into the pit and grabbing you from the fire and you heard me right joy comes from knowing how bad you really had it and how much God loved you that he sent his son to die in your place to grab you to get a hold of you Like, if you, if you, like, I'll give you an example. If, like, you're Deborah's cousin or whatever, and Deborah knows that, like, you're out on the street or whatever, like, get out of the way. She's getting in the car. You're not convincing her otherwise. She's going to run you off the road. <laughs> she's going to find you, and she's going to pull you out of the street. And that's what Jesus does for us. He aggressively goes after us. And when we realize that, that is where we get this fruit of love and joy and peace. When we realize it's not something that we earned, but it's something that was given to us. It's a gift from God. And this is where we find freedom. Freedom is so good. Life in the spirit is so good. Not freedom to stay home, to be trapped in a beef with our spouse, to be chained up in depression, but to be free. Not freedom to say, you know what, I can't even do social interaction unless I smoke weed. That's not freedom. That's not what God wanted for us. It's freedom to give up our rights and to serve others. It's freedom to imitate Jesus. It's freedom to be like Deb and like, we're getting in the car. We're going to the other side of town. We're doing this now. And we're doing it aggressively. It's freedom. Did did, did like, did, 
did we have to, did me and my wife have to adopt the kids we adopted? No, we had freedom. Did Dylan have to buy a house in Gloucester? Does Richard have to play bass every week? (laughs) Sometimes he probably gets that message, but absolutely not. Did our sister Layla have to live in like a little cinder block, one room place in Mexico with her kids as a missionary for a year? Did Brian and Jen have to come to church when they had a group of their friends coming over for Bible study every week? And they were fine. Did our sister Marie have to come to church every week, even though she was living in a hotel and she didn't know what was going to happen? Did our brother Dave back there and Sarah join the church? Did they have to join the church when it goes against the grain of the culture? Did our sisters Heather Lee and, and, and Jackie and her kids, did they have to be baptized a couple weeks ago? And I could go on and on and on. There are people in the church that have opened up their home, opened up their pockets. They'll run to the other side of town. I mean, I, 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 re, I remember visiting some folks like, Pastor, come, my kids are wild and they're going crazy. And I get to the house and somebody else is already there calming them down from the church. That's freedom. So Epiphany Church, let us walk in the spirit. Let us experience this freedom. Let us just ask to be in step with the spirit. And you know what? Maybe God will give us some gifts and maybe we'll start speaking in tongues and maybe we'll have words for each other and maybe we'll have power that we didn't have before. But I know this, that we will have power to be there for each other and every single one of us needs family. And every single one of us needs hope. So let us press in and walk in the spirit and bear the fruits of the Spirit, not because we're earning God's approval, but because he reached down so far and he grabbed us and he saved us. Amen?